Hey, welcome to Pickled Parables. My name is Jesse. Today, we have the joy of listening to my friend Hunter Hoover offer his ponderings on the goodness of God. Hunter has been meditating on several different passages from the Bible, and we have the privilege of listening in on Hunter's discoveries. Biblical meditation is a wonderful practice. It is remembering, pondering, and meditating on the Word of God. It is filling your mind with the Word of God. So let's listen now as Hunter shares with us his most recent meditations. Hello again. Welcome back to Pickled Parables. This is Hunter Hoover. Hi. I had the pleasure of sharing some some time ago, a couple months now, uh, and and so I I'm glad to be back to share with you um, this week. And uh, yeah, so sometimes when when yeah, sometimes when the spirit, you know, when when you're going about your Christian walk, um, the spirit especially when a lot of your professional life is related to the church. We're going to talk, I'm going to talk a little bit about that when I share, but um, the, the spirit has this way of intertwining our spiritual walk with our personal study where you have this experience where you're like, you're sitting in church and you're listening to the sermon and you're doing what I like to call extra credit uh, while you are listening to the sermon. You're doing this extra credit reading that as the pastor delivers the sermon, you know, you begin to, your eyes wander to the passages that are nearby. Um, you, you begin to look at some of the cross references and, and go explore some of these other things for yourself. And I, I, I'm not advocating um, to pay less attention to the sermon. That's not what I'm saying. But I think there's this thing that happens that as our minds begin to wander, whether led by the Spirit or otherwise, um, that the Spirit uses that wandering to lead us into a further understanding of God's Word and maybe even the Scripture that is even being preached on that day. It's an interesting thing. Because, I mean, for me, uh, what all of a sudden, what began as a sermon about Jacob getting a new name, getting his name changed, uh, this little rabbit trail of extra credit turns into you holding back tears while reading the book of first Peter. And so when asked to share, Jesse said, Hey, I'd love for you to share again. Um, and when asked to share on pickled parables and with this community, I, I asked Jesse, you know, should I continue where I left off in the book of Proverbs last time? Should I try and build off of where Jesse and, um, Michael Rogers and Michael Turtelot and all the other good teachers that y'all have been hearing from, should I try to expand on and, and build on the good framework that these guys have already laid down? All these phenomenal teachers who have already been on here, should I, should I go further with what they're doing? Continue on with something there. And 
Jesse gave me good direction. Uh, He said, share what you've been learning. Share what you've been meditating on. So, uh, I am going to do that today. I would like to share with you exactly what it is that I have been meditating on. And um, before doing so, I want to note that when I when I began preparing this, it was a it was a there was a drought here in the in the West, specifically in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and even at the time of this recording, we've had a little rain, but not nearly enough and not nearly as much as maybe the area is used to. But as I began preparing this, it was fire season and rain has again, like I said, come in the middle of this, uh, yeah, this note was added later. <laughs> but traditionally, and I'll and I'll note here in a moment why I bring up the rain, because there's something about being in the middle of a drought where rain and things about rain stand out a lot more. But traditionally, when I'm asked to share, my bent is to pick a topic or pick a passage and focus on it. Really really lean into that passage and dig in and try to get a feel for what is going on there. But my time dwelling on scripture and and, in this meditation that Jesse asked me to focus on, it's been all over. Uh, And as I mentioned, the spirit has kind of been weaving a few different things together here. So I would like to, I'm going to share with you what, where I will be sharing from. I'm sharing a number of things. Um, and how they have collectively spoken to me and maybe you in the area of, of God's sovereignty and God's goodness. So the four main areas that the Spirit has been weaving together in my, in my meditation time are this idea that God brings rain on the just and the unjust coupled with the command from Jesus to love our enemies. This comes to me from sermon prep. I'm preparing to preach here in about a month um, at my church. And so as I'm preparing that, I'm mulling this passage over in my, in my brain as we're going to talk about it here in just a moment. Uh, but this idea that God brings rain on the just and the unjust. Next, is actually the work from Parable Ministries, uh, Michael Rogers' teaching and overview on the book of Job and and this note that is made um, towards the end of the book of Job where God makes it rain on the desert places where there is no people. Third, the a Sunday sermon spoken at our church recently Um, From Genesis chapter 35, wherein it notes that Jacob's family dies. And in noting Jacob's suffering, there is is this this, um, beautiful thing that is highlighted about the nature of of suffering of God's people. Um, And last is, is, and this is where we'll end, is 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 19. So, first up is this sermon prep for preaching at my home church. Um, and when I'm given the opportunity to preach, I have been preaching through the, the Sermon on the Mount. And in a recent 
opportunity, I have preached on Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42, which says this. So Matthew 5, 38 through 42 says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. And do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. In this section, Jesus is calling his audience this this crowd seated on this hillside to a more loving, non-retaliatory approach to justice and wrongdoing. And, and in Jesus' teaching, we find this call to, to really care more and more about actual real justice, to lovingly set aside our human desire and often sinful desire for payback to get even to get ahead usually rather Jesus says instead of worrying about all that because your your capacity for really getting justice in those moments is not good as people rather we would do better to set that aside and choose to love in those times in those heated moments Jesus is calling his followers to choose a loving response knowing that we are often terrible judges of justice in the, in the stead. This does not mean that there is no justice, only, again, that we as humans are often very bad judges of that justice in the moment. And so, if you're going to err on the side of justice and it being mistaken for some retaliation and love, Jesus says, err on the side of love. You, like me, may hear this notion that says, love the one who afflicts you and think, well, like, like how? Like, do, do I have to, like, fake that until I make it? Like, the, the person who is making life just terrible, how do I love that person? Because Jesus goes on to say in the Sermon on the Mount, no, 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 no. Love your enemy and pray for the person who persecutes you. And that's a challenge in and of itself. That, that's, a, that's a lofty and, and very big goal and task to undergo, to love the person who is actively hating you. In the middle of this very challenging well, challenge, to actively love those who may actively be hating you, which is difficult enough. Jesus says in Matthew 5.45 that by loving our enemy, he says you do that so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. And then note, for he, that is your father in heaven, makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Jesus says that when we learn to love our enemies, that is, love the one who is actively showing us hatred in those moments. It says, he says, 
we will be like our father who is in heaven. And then he gives this like descripting phrase of this father who is in heaven, a, a, a father who causes the sun to rise on the evil as well as the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. I would note again, it was drought season when this began to go through my brain. So God, whose justice does not fail, God, who is not at risk for mistaking justice for retaliation, and God, who has a position to be expected to withhold blessing from the unjust, that God chooses to love and by way of loving blesses the unjust. He allows and causes it to rain on them as well. And so in my brain, there began this thinking on the sovereignty of God and how that sovereignty relates to when bad things happen to God's people and good things happen to the people that we would look at the situation and we would go, we, no, we want maybe not that to happen to them, if we're honest. Rather, there's something, according to Matthew, that stands out to say that the love of God sees fit to bring good to those who do not deserve it. That notion is fully realized, I think, in the way that, that he offers Christ, Jesus offers himself as a sacrifice for those who in that moment were in the very act of spitting in God's face. Then, as this is knocking around in my brain and I'm, I'm kind of meditating on it and mulling it over, weeks later, uh, a new episode of Pickled Parables populates my Spotify podcast feed. Um, and I'm at the gym listening to Michael Rogers exposit a very good overview at the look of the book of Job. And he shared about Job, who is called a righteous man, you, who experienced affliction, this, this righteous, he, he was doing the things that God had said were right and that God had said were good. And yet Job experiences affliction. And when he finally reaches the end of it with his three friends, he says, listen, 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 listen. If I did something and that's why all this noise has happened to me, I wish God would just come out and say it. And you almost get this sense, at least I do maybe, that Job is kind of like kind of throwing down the challenge to God. He's like, hey, you know, it, if this happened because of something I did, hit me with it. Like, just tell me what I did. And so consequently, God, God does answer Job. And he essentially says, stay in your lane, dude. Job, you don't even know what you don't know. That's kind of how God responds. God establishes God's self. And Michael did very well at pointing this out as this supreme over creation, he's supreme over these sea monsters and these created things. He's supreme over the abyss. And of course, he's supreme over mankind. And in the end, after this charge and God's like, 
ready yourself. Uh, Job finally does confess. Yeah, God, I misspoke. But in God's charge to Job, God says this. And this is Job 38, verses 25 to 27. So Job 38, this is towards the end of the book of Job. uh, As I flip there. Got to get that page turn. It wouldn't be, to me, it wouldn't quite be pickled parables without a good page turn sound in there. Job 38, starting in verse 5, it says, Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of the rain and a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land where no man is, on the desert in which there is no man to satisfy the waste and desolate land to make the ground sprout with grass? This is, of course, God raising this rhetorical questioning challenge to Job. And he says, who else, Job, in all of history has seen fit, would look out and says, you know what? I'm going to bring rain on that desolate, desert, dry land over there where no man is living. Who else is supreme to the point that they're going to care enough to take care of that place. Never mind bringing rain on the just and the unjust. God in his sovereignty and in his goodness sees fit to send rain where there isn't anybody even at. To to care for this part of creation where man is not even at. God's sovereignty extends far beyond what just mankind is doing and concerned with. God's sovereignty is wrapped up with not just the good and the the evil and the just and the unjust, but with caring for the bits of creation that people might look at and go, ain't nothing there. No, God sees fit to send water on that land. A God who cares enough to send rain where most would say, uh, no rain needed here. Of course that God cares about our suffering. Job did some suffering (laughs) in many ways. Of course the God who brings rain on that place cares about our suffering. Of course that God cares about justice. And as I'm turning this over in my brain, what does it look like to trust in God's sovereignty when faced with injustice or evil or suffering? And so I'm sitting in Sunday service, which I'd like to add here briefly. If you listen to Pickled Parables, it is my hope and it is my prayer that you belong to or will join a community of believers to fellowship with. But I digress. I'm sitting in service, and our pastor is preaching from Genesis 35. And he's preaching from Genesis 35. And he highlights, um, through the names of the people in Genesis 35 who have passed away from Jacob's life, that he, he uses this name list, our pastor, uses this, these names to highlight the suffering Jacob put himself through because 
due to having to be on the run and out of where his family was, Jacob was unable to bury his mother. And by the time he returns, he has very little time left with his aging father before he passes. That's tough. That is a sad thing. And our pastor went to 1 Peter for supplemental passage. And I, I'll be honest with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot straight with you. And this is where, you call it whatever, I'm, I have no idea where he went in 1 Peter. Um, I have no idea where he read from. Because I began reading in 1 Peter chapter 4, where the headings in my Bible say, Stewards of God's Grace which is a whole nother idea that we as people of God actually are stewards of God's grace that we have to care for and distribute and rightly handle the grace of God. And then there's also this idea. So this idea of stewardship relating to how we, and I think a, a, an extrapolation could be how our God cares about using resources May it be grace or rain. And suffering as a Christian is this other, other, other bit in here. And at the end of 1 Peter chapter 4, it says this. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Let those who suffer which is sometimes in accordance to God's will, entrust their souls in the midst of that suffering. Ultimately, all of who they are, their soul, entrust that to the faithful creator. And we can hear the through line of Job coming through. This, this through line of who, who is supreme over creation who is supreme over the abyss and over the creatures and over humankind? Because whoever that is, that is a God worth entrusting our soul to in 1 Peter 4. But Peter notes, we didn't just entrust our souls and then go, I'm tapping out. I'm out here. He calls us to do good. He says, entrust your souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And I think often that means doing good to those who are causing our suffering or in places where it might seem no good is happening from it. Or, as Jesus put it, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Or again, as God said to Job, who is good to bring rain where it is needed but seems to do no good? That's a God worth trusting ourselves to. And so when we suffer and we meet affliction, we entrust ourselves to God and do the good we see modeled in our God. Suffering is, is often awful. I'm not going to downplay that. It's often awful, especially in the moment. But God is good. And even when we suffer, we serve a God who knows our suffering, who cares about our suffering, 
who loves us enough to be able to faithfully care for our soul in moments of suffering. And what's interesting is, I believe in the acts of us loving our enemies, we're going to find that we have fewer enemies. In doing good, there's something about doing good, which is the thing in which God helps then administer to our souls further. Because God is sovereign, not only over our affliction, but in the products of that affliction, as well as the care for who we are in the midst of that affliction. God is not just like orchestrating this, this thing and then saying, well, I, mean, I hope it, no, God is in the suffering with us. He's caring for us in the midst of it. And he is sovereign in the outcome of our suffering and, and in a way that it produces something good in the world around us. And I hope as you maybe experience the worst of, I mean, I mean, we are all going to experience some type of suffering. And I, and I hope and I pray that as you maybe do experience suffering and maybe sometimes the worst of it, that you will be reminded as, as I have often been recently that God sends rain when we deserve it, when we don't, and often in ways that we do not see or understand. And our task is to trust God and do the things God has for us. And I believe and am convinced that as we do so, we will come to celebrate the rain wherever God causes it to fall. God bless, guys. Thanks. Ah, so good. Thank you, Hunter, for everything that you shared with us. That is, that's hearty thinking and undoubtedly a result of spirit-led meditation. Thank you for sharing. Also, thank you for those listening. Without you, we'd just be talking into the air. (laughs) Hopefully, this podcast has been encouraging for you and helped you in your walk with the Lord. So far, I haven't gotten a lot of feedback from this community, and I would love it if you could help me out with just a little project. Send me an email with the title of your favorite episode from this podcast and write a little explanation for why it's your favorite. This is going to help me as I plan new lessons and develop a more tailored approach to what you guys are most interested in. Send me an email at jesse at parableministries.com. That's jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at parableministries.com. Thanks, guys. With that, I'll catch you later. Talk to you next week.